0: TechFan Podcast number 341 with me, Tim Robertson, and him, his name is David Cohen-Him. Hi, Him.
1: is Him who can hear the sudden mosquito buzzing again. Is it really? Yeah, it just came in just briefly then. Is it gone now? It's, it's gone now,
0: yeah. Well, let me know if that buzzing sound kicks in, i will pause the recording and see if I can yeah. track it down, because that's annoying. I don't like that. Nope. So, very good morning so far. Yeah, you've had um, a bit of luck today. I did. So Julie and I dropped Cole off at the bus stop. When I say that, I don't mean we just dropped him off and left. (laughs) We actually wait for the bus to get there, and we watch them
1: get on the bus, and the bus pull away. Okay, so it wasn't those things where you screech around the corner, open the back door, and he kind of tumbles out there. No. No, we do that with Brooke. All right, okay.
0: Uh, Well, she's tougher. I mean, she's older, bigger. Yeah, And she's in soccer now, so she's got to toughen up a little bit. Fair enough. Nothing like a little, uh, you know, cement burn on your elbows when you're. it will toughen you up.
1: You got yeah. you got to
0: peel the the or pick the pebbles out of your skin, but builds you know what? Time. It builds. Yeah, you got it. So we went out and had breakfast, and um, hers was good. Mine was not. I picked the wrong breakfast this time. I got I got sourdough French toast, which yeah, it's fine, except it did not work at all. Period. <laughs>
1: it it didn't work it, it didn't work as sourdough or it didn't didn't work as toast or yeah, as both. yeah either
0: either so french toast is obviously you take bread you dip it in an egg batter and you fry it right right same thing here except it just tasted like mushy sourdough
1: yeah i've never had sourdough french toast i've had sourdough toast which i like yeah that would be french, fine but not french toast
0: no it didn't work it right. was it was re- i ate about it gave me four slices and there's quite small compared to regular bread i ate about two Mm -hmm. and i just finally just set my fork down i was like i can't do this to myself anymore (laughs) i hate to waste the money but it was just it was bad yeah so when we left there we went to target now we've been looking for these kleenex packages that are round that fit in your cup holders in your car brilliant Mm. idea
1: Yeah, great. I've never heard of those before. I could do with those.
0: Yeah. Who couldn't? I think it's a great idea. It's by the Kleenex brand. We found them once before we bought them, but I ran out. So now you don't get as much Kleenex in them, but I'll take less Kleenex for the convenience factor. And we, so we were by target. So we went into target and sure enough, we found them. So we were very happy. Walked by the video games. And I said, hold on a minute. I went down the aisle where they usually have the, the Nintendo stuff. Mm -hmm. And I looked and of course, every time I go to a store that has video games, I look for the SNES classic. Now, as you know, I've got the NES classic and you've got the European version of the SNES classic. Yeah. And nobody ever has it. This is, it's, I can never find it online. And I've been looking for months, right? Not actively, actively looking, but if I remember, I look and no one ever has it. So we start walking away and I see a guy working. He's, Stocking stuff, and I, I said, "Hey, do you guys have the SNES Classic in stock?" And he goes, "Well, let me check see if uh, we've got one in stock." Then he starts heading towards where I just looked. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, I, it's not there, so, but I wait, and he scan. I can hear him scan something, and he comes back and he says, "Says I've got one in stock." I have to go into the back. Sure enough, he had one in stock, so I finally got one. Wow. I already good, good snag. Yeah, and that was a half hour ago. I've already got it plugged in and start playing a little bit of Mario.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of them. They are very much plug and play.
0: They are. You you plug in the USB power. You plug it into uh, an HDMI input in your TV. I've got a little HDMI switcher, so I just yep. plugged in there. Plugged in one controller, even though it comes with two, and uh, start playing Mario a little bit. But there's a lot of games I want to try on there. Now, to be fair. I've got the RetroPie with every game that's on here, plus some. But yeah. there's something about playing it with an actual controller. And the other one is just, you know, a hacked ROM. And I'm sure that this that's
1: what this is, too. But I don't know. It feels different. It feels... Well, I would imagine with the classic series that they hacked the ROM. Obviously, it is some sort sure. of smartphone processor in there running an emulator. But if they... Having built that, if Nintendo feels that it doesn't give you the proper experience, then they're going to do something about that. They're going to optimize it. They're going to sort to tweak it so, and make it right. It, yeah, if if you're going to if you're going to get something that's running in emulation rather than the original hardware, um, getting something from Nintendo is going to be the best, second best experience running the original hardware. Absolutely, and I am very impressed
0: with it. Now I know you have one, and we haven't compared games on it. We should do that in the future. Yeah,
1: but we have a plan we we do because you want the european one i do because because the case for anybody who doesn't know I, d- I don't know why the case designs were different but they always were mm-hmm. even with the uh, the original nes the case design was slightly different in the in europe than it was in the us but with the uh the super nintendo it was completely different i yeah. mean they they looked nothing alike um i don't know why that was but uh, like you i i I think the European one that has a nicer design it's kind of more rounded it looks, it looks nice more, yeah it, it looks it, much it, nicer it, than the
0: classic uh American or North American Super Nintendo system yeah I, I've always liked it and of course they're not selling it here they're region unlocked so it doesn't matter yeah but I, I can't get it here so, so you I had mean, an idea
1: yeah because I when you said oh I'd really like the European one I said well do you want to swap yours for mine but then you said no because I want both of them. Mm-hmm. So, so the plan is we're both going to find another one, <laughs> yep. and then and then we will swap.
0: Yep. Once we both uh, have, when I get another North American version and you get another EU version, we'll just mail them out, and then we'll both have both. Exactly. Because why yeah. not? It, well, why, I don't even. Why not? I, indeed, I don't. I don't know if they even have the same games or not, and I don't care.
1: Well, I, I mean, here is an interesting question: Are You going to load more games on yours because no. you can.
0: No. Open them up
1: and uh, not physically open them up, but from software you can, can have more ROMs on
0: there. I, you know, and I thought about it with my NES as well because that's where it started—the whole hacking thing of these. But no, I, I've got a RetroPie if I want to play all the other games that are out there. I yeah. do want to keep. I even have the box for my NES, and I don't usually keep boxes. I don't care. But there's something about these boxes. Number one, they're not very big, um, and I think they're going to come out with an N64 of one of these eventually as well. Um, but they're going to have to use a more of a beefier processor because the snap processors they use, the little Snapdragon ones, probably what it is, or is not powerful enough or with enough graphic capabilities to run the NES version or the, uh, N64 version. So I don't know. I just kind of like them in the box. They're not going to be something that's going to be hooked up. and I'm going to play all the time. So it just kind of keeps it all together. So, yeah. Yeah it just i'm going i'm going to keep it like that and as such i'm just going to keep them original i just don't see the point if i didn't have a couple retro pies laying around that i could play at any time yeah um then yeah maybe but i i do have those already so i want to keep these original fair enough and, and it just works really well i was scrolling the menus i started playing one super mario game um and there 's quite a few games on there like i 've always wanted to play earthbound i just haven 't ever got into it on the retropie, so i 'm going to get into that a little bit too.
1: That was the one which i 'm not sure whether comes on the European one or not um, have a look now but uh yeah, be interested to see if there 's any different different games on the two of them and, and it it could be that, that it's on the U- European one. I just haven't spotted it. But uh, it's, it is it is a very nice... The advantage, as well, of getting something that you haven't rolled your own is that you get the... They've re- put, really put some effort into the front end and the way it works and the game saves and everything like that. And all of those things can sometimes be a little bit tricky with certain games on, on RetroPie. I'm really impressed with the controller.
0: It feels yeah. like an original SNES controller.
1: Well, it should do. If you're paying that sort of money, I mean, that... it. it the, the profit margin of these must be huge. Oh yeah. So uh, and and it's more expensive than the NES Classic was as well. I, I'm wondering if that trend will continue. If They do do an N64 Classic. If it's going to be um, double the price of this one, but it would uh, almost have to yeah, be. You, I mean, the you controller to alone. Get quality hardware. Yeah.
0: The controller alone is huge on the on the N64. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, it's going to. And I wouldn't mind spending 150 bucks for a a mini. N64. If it came out with you know twenty of the best N64 games that are out there, because N64 yeah. is the one that I don't really have on my Retro Pi, because they they number one they take a lot more space. Number two, most of the hardware, especially uh, the Raspberry Pi, it can run it, but it's glitchy as hell. Yeah. Uh, and there's always hey, how do I get this working right on the forums that I, I look at in the Facebook groups, and it's just not worth my time to be honest. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't want to go through that much work just to play a game. So not, But sure. no, uh, back to the point, though, I'm very happy that I finally got one. Um, I was not going to pay the $150 scalper prices that are out there. No. Not doing that. I wanted one since I first learned about it. We talked about it here on the show. Not going to do it. I'm not spending that kind of money. They're not going to profit off of me for a shortage. It's just not going to happen. I'd rather yeah. not have it than give some Creep like that, my money. Yeah. So, we uh, last week we talked about a topic that we were going to hold. So, that's going to be our kind of our main topic on the second half of the show. Um, We do have our wiki trolling, and this week it's going to be the IBM PC Junior. And David, you talked a little bit. Let's start here. You start, well, let's first this This crypto mining thing just let 's get this out of the way because it just kind of ticks me off
1: uh yeah, this is the latest um money grab on the internet um that good God they love these things so this this is crypto money 's been in the news because uh, Bitcoin prices have been fluctuating up and down wildly, and it 's become a topic of uh, quite some interest to people in the not not just the tech press but the regular press to be honest um. And there have been some instances where you go to a website and instead of getting served some janky malware, you get served with some different janky malware that kind of mines currency using your CPU in the background while you're on the site. Uh, And obviously, you know, without permission and that sort of thing. And people have been feeling fairly uncomfortable about this. But the article we're talking about here was something that that said that – Apparently, there is an app in the Mac App Store that has monetized crypto mining. So basically, instead of um, offering you a knockdown price and then maybe a purchase price to, uh, to upgrade um, and, and the supporting, supporting the discounted price with, uh, with ads, then um, you can get – you can go into the uh, – well – you don't, you don't have to go in and set this because it comes like this by default. You can download this app. It's a calendar app. Um, and you can get all the advanced features for nothing, but it will crypto mine in the background and send the uh, results back up to the owner of the app. And um, he will then generate his cash that way, which is, well, there's two things about this. First of all, it sounds a bit sketchy. A In that, yes, what's it actually doing? How much of your device cycles is it using? How is that data leaving your computer? Is it doing anything else? Um, the other thing is that, um, the initial release of this software actually had this set by default, so <laughs> people weren't even aware, aware it was happening. Now, the, the developer said, Oh, that was a bug, that was a mistake, we didn't mean it to be like that. Um, you know we we had we had two bugs where uh, apparently had a bug where you, if you tried to turn it off it didn 't turn itself off, and then the second thing was that it was using more um, computing power than than was originally intended so and, and of course, those bugs kind of typify both of the risks and the worries anybody would have with this cryptocurrency software is that it 's going to hose my computer performance. And um, I'm going to turn it off and it's going to do it anyway because, hey, money. Um, I I think this is sketchy as hell. I I just think these kind of – I understand everybody likes these these kind of freemium models where there's an option to pay to get rid of annoying features, but otherwise it generates some low-level cash for the developer. And I understand developers need to get paid. But I really I really just wish we could go back to a thing where basically you pay a low price, if you really like the software, you pay a higher price to unlock it and and not have all of this kind of you know, surreptitious stuff going on in the background. So
0: Yeah. This is the first one that people have become aware of in the Apple Mac store. Not to be confused with the iOS store. Yeah. And Apple seemed to be okay with it because they allowed it. I think that has more to do with the anemic team that's running the Mac App Store. There's probably like two people um, that it just got by them because it's woefully understaffed.
1: Doesn't no? It doesn't sound the sort of thing that Apple policy would normally allow. No,
0: they, there's no way this is in compliance. <laughs> but and that goes back to what I said. I think. Apple, when they launched the, the Mac App Store, to to much fanfare, a lot of developers weren't happy because they were going to sandbox Mac apps if it was in the Mac App Store. The problem with that is, oh, I don't know, uh, an application that will record audio on your Mac from different sources, can't do that because it's sandboxed. Um, so there's there's some major issues with sandboxing a personal computer application, right? So that was the big problem that a lot of developers had with it from a user perspective. It sounded like a pretty good idea. It's tied into your iTunes account. So you just click a button and buy what you need right there. And it's going to be curated and they're going to have their favorites picks and it'll be all organized and you can find what you're looking for. Well, they launched it, and they've done nothing with it since. Absolutely nothing. It's it's no different than it was, what, three years ago when they launched it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an embarrassment, to be honest. It, it kind of is. And that's because, kind of like the Siri team, Apple launched this thing and then did nothing with it. Yep. So uh,
1: we've, we've talked at length about the dichotomy of Apple apparently being... Well, it certainly is one of the richest tech companies on the planet and yet seemingly not having an ability to staff up all the things it's doing all the time. And, it, and it's bizarre. It really is bizarre. And it does lead to an impression that they don't bother because they don't care. Well,
0: um, to me, it leads me to believe that they've got piss poor management.
1: Yeah. I mean, there could be a variety of reasons. This could be. i it's i always find in life it's better to it's it's most you're right most of the time if you if you assume incompetence rather than maliciousness um so i i agree with you it probably is, is a management problem and nevertheless it's still a problem and i think this this is a slippery slope this sort of stuff um and if apple doesn't proactively deal with it, then it'll end up with something that looks like the Google Play Store, where it's a bit of a wild west. This this sort of stuff happens all the time on the Google Play Store, and Google is constantly playing whack-a-mole trying to get rid of it. But, um, you know, Apple doesn't want to be in that position. Now, actually, since we posted this story to our notes, which was a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I've just scrolled down to the bottom, and they actually had an update from the developer, which is interesting, because I think, I think well, first of all, it's always interesting when public focus gets put on something that people often don't like and then the person responds by saying oh well, actually maybe we shouldn't have done that in the first place i, I always find that interesting because i think well you you should have known that backlash was going to happen maybe you just should never have done it in the first place instead of trying to sneak it well, through but this is how people learn let's
0: well, yeah. be fair this yeah. is how you yeah. learn not to do something in the future yeah. you do something so anyway. that it sounds like a good idea it backfires public backlash you back off and go, well, I know not to do that again. And maybe other developers will be paying attention and go, oof, we're not going to do that now either because we were thinking about something like that.
1: Yeah. So it's actually interesting in that I think there's definitely, definitely definitely, has been some learning here because the developer said we decide to remove the miner from future versions of the app. The next version will remove the option to get free features via mining for three reasons. One, the company which provided us the minor library didn't disclose its source code, and it would take too long for them to fix the root cause of the CPU issue. So the fact that it was using too many resources, apparently the people who made the library weren't, weren't able to fix that. And, and that's an interesting point, really, because... There's a difference between a developer deciding to do something like this and writing their own code and keeping it in their own control. But, of course, most of them don't do that. They just buy something in, and then you've got no idea what it's doing. Exactly. Secondly, they said the rollout had a perfect stall of bugs, which made it seem like our company wanted to mine cryptocurrency without our people's permission. Um, and, and obviously, yes, that's a problem. They, they say that's against their ethos and vision. Well, if it's against your ethos and vision, you probably shouldn't have gone there in the first place. And then and then the third one, I think this is an important point as well. My own personal feeling that proof of work has a dangerous set of incentives which can lead to electricity waste on a global scale we've never seen before. We don't want to get sucked into this set of incentives, and hopefully our decision to ultimately remove the miner will set some sort of precedent for other apps as well. And then he says, we could have technically remedy the situation and benefited from the he says pretty large income such a miner generates we took the business as a sign we should get out of the mining business before we get sucked into the proof of work morass of incentives so you know good on them for realizing that and yep. good on them for actually stating those reasons clearly rather than just saying well and, yeah and um, he's been upfront d- about it too yeah and, and yeah exactly kudos and on I, that. I, I think that third point is very important mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All these guys think that mining cryptocurrency is like generating free money, but it has now been demonstrated that the electrical power required to do these calculations is colossal. Yeah. And, you know, you have to offset that. Apparently, there's a lot of people doing cryptocurrency mining in Iceland because the electricity there is all geothermal generated. It comes from the volcanic vents, which means it's a lot cheaper uh, and obviously has no carbon footprint. But there's an awful lot of people just doing it everywhere else, and you know we have a carbon problem, and we can't just, for for the interest of generating something that has no real value, just contributes that problem massively with our computers. We, we shouldn't do that on a moral basis.
0: Go ahead, keep going for a second. I gotta type something.
1: Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I'm as I say, I'm glad that they've seen the light on this one and uh, and this has gone away and hopefully this incident uh, is also a bit of a learning experience for Apple as well and they recognize that this is now a thing and uh, probably a thing that their customers don't want and so they need to make sure they don't let it into any of their stores let alone the Mac App Store where um, you know it, um, the Mac App Store, it can do some damage. If you've gone to the iOS store and it was running in the background on your phone, then that would absolutely murder your battery, and that wouldn't be any good either.
0: So the next subject is one that you talked about a little bit last week, and you were going to hold it for this week, and that is you hacked your PS Vita, which I also have a PS Vita, um, and I have to check to see which version of the firmware mine is running. Yeah. But I guess from the little bit we talked already about it, this is a pretty awesome thing to do if you have a PS Vita with um, firmware 3.6.
1: Yeah, so I got into this because I was doing some tidying up at home and uh, came across my PSP. I thought, huh, I've never, I've never played that for a while, so i, I mean, played a few games on it. Kind of brought back the memory about what a sweet system the PSP was. Um, and so then I started looking at doing some hacking on it because i i was already the PSP aware that, or
0: the ps vita
1: that's right yeah but i was aware the psp was very hackable yes but then when i started looking at it i thought to myself you know what what, what i've always wanted to try was a vita and now that the Vita is kind of coming to the end of its production life, which is a shame because it's really not been successful, nowhere near as successful as the original PSP was, um, I thought maybe I'll pick one up and, and kind of see what I can do with it and maybe play a few games and all of that. So I picked one up, and what, after i bought it on eBay um, for not very much money, it was about 50, 60 pounds, I think. That's um, cheap. I, yeah, I found, I found that actually the Vita is hackable as well, but you have to have the right firmware version you have to have 3.6 or lower, and the latest firmware is 3.8, 3.9, something like that. So the trick, if, you, if you're interested in doing this, is buying an old Vita that's been sat in somebody's drawer for a couple of years because then it won't have self-updated to the latest firmware. Um, and if you get the 3, 6, 3.60, which is the kind of the sweet spot, then you will find that uh, all of this hacking stuff is available to you, and it, I'm telling you, it's super, super simple. It's really, really easy to do. So, what I have on mine, I have a, um, a PSP emulator on my Vita, which means I can play any PSP game I want. Now, that that's good for the Vita because one of the problems with the Vita was it was it had a backwards compatible PSP mode, but because it didn't have the the optical disc slot, you had to get those games from Sony, which meant you only got what they decided to give you right. online, and also you had to pay for them again. Yay! So, yeah. So, um, as somebody who has quite a large PSP library, I don't really feel morally that I have a problem with downloading ROMs for those games I own and run them on my Vita. I think those are games I own, games I've paid for, uh, and I don't. I don't think that's particularly unfair, particularly as the system is now, as I say, on a wind down in its life. And I tell you, it works absolutely brilliantly. You hmm. can put them on your home screen and you just click on them. You, the, the hack also allows you to uh, use a little, um, you can buy for just a few dollars a little circuit board that lets you put an SD card into the PSP's game slot instead of having to use the proprietary Sony memory sticks. Right. So that means you could put a big 64 gigabyte SD card into your, into your Vita and have all the games you want on there. And and then, and then, because it's running homebrew, that means you can all the games that people are developing independently for the Vita's quite a lively programming scene for it are available to you. You can also run emulators for other older eight-bit systems, sixteen-bit systems, if you want. Those are all there. You can even get, um, I think, RetroArch is available for it, so you can even play uh, video game, you know, arcade games and that sort of things. And something that I haven't done, but you know if you really want to go this route then then it's open to you is you can actually download um vita robs as well and play those so uh, that one is the one which obviously is morally is the stickiest ground because those games are still available me myself i p- prefer to go out and buy the actual game cartridges absolutely uh, and play the games you know at that way rather than going and, so and downloading do you, free games so but. how do you hack it what's the first step what do you do? It was it was super simple. Basically, all you do is you need to put this um, hack onto your Vita called Henkaku, uh, well, how and do you it's put it really on there? easy. All you do is connect up to um, connect your um, three hundred and sixty firmware. Or you've got to install that first onto your Vita. The Vita comes with a, like a combination charging cable. Uh, and um, it's also USB cable as well. So you can get stuff on... You can basically, what you want to do is you want to go to this uh, Hinkarko website on the browser and then basically it, it remote installs the hack over the browser for you. Hmm. Uh, and then it puts a shell on there as well so you can then drag files on and off to different parts of the Vita's memory over USB, which is the way you actually then get all the homebrew software you want on there. Um, and so, yes, it's completely, utterly easy. It's it was about five ten minutes work but the hard part is making sure you've got that right firmware and if you go out and buy a Vita, what you need to do is when you get it, is is make sure it stays offline, the last thing you want to do is while you're fooling around with it, it's the thing to go and automatically update itself from Sony. Well how do you do because, that
0: if you got to download this firm uh,
1: hack? So there is uh, there are a couple of things you can do if you actually go to this website, it will advise you on this, you can actually put a... Um, a different DNS setting into your internet connection details on the Vita, and that will prevent it from upgrading, uh, from going to Sony. So that's just basically you go into the Wi-Fi settings and you add a configuration in there. It's all—it's all, it's, it's not hard. It's—it's it's something that's that's built into the um, into the the settings for the Vita network connection. Um, and um, and once you've actually installed the hack, it also modifies it so it won't ever try to go to Sony again. So, uh, I mean, the downside of this is you can't use the Sony uh, PlayStation PlayStation Store or anything like that. But obviously, you've you've, you've taken the point, the decision that you're going to go somewhere else. So um, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to download any kind of dodgy malware or anything that might have stuff running in the background. It's completely, utterly simple to do. So you did it. How long ago did you do this? A couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah, it was about three, four weeks ago. So, how
0: many uh, games have you downloaded, and what what what's your well, experience I'm, so far?
1: Uh, my experience is pretty much I've I've downloaded pretty much every game I owned for my PSP. So I've got my entire PSP library on there, and I've played them all, and I haven't had a single problem with any of them.
0: So how do you download them, though? Do you have to download a ROM somewhere or it, Basically,
1: there are bits of software you can get which allow you to look through the PSP catalog, and it then downloads them actually directly from Sony. And then you just put them onto your PSP using a, a sh- using the shell program that they've, uh, that they've got. So you just copy them over to your PSP from your... Um, from your over your USB cable, or if you want to, you can take your SD card out of your PSP and, and put them on there, and then load it back in again. Uh, and then they just appear in the list. So you you, and you go when you fire up the PSP emulator, it gives you a screen that it makes it turns the Vita into something that looks like it's it's a native PSP, and all the games that you have on your memory card are just you just run them as if you were running them on a real PSP.
0: And you can still run regular.
1: Yeah, yeah any time you want, games, you can either. drop out of that, and you can run Vita games. Hmm. So uh, you know it's completely, completely transparent. And if you use a, a Sony memory card instead of um, the SD card version, it goes into the game slot. So you have to take take that card out if you want to play right. a Vita game because they go in the same slot. But if you're using a, a Sony memory card rather than a, an SD card, you don't even need to do that. So you've get you effectively you've got two systems for the price of one. Sounds cool. I might do it. That. Is, yeah, it is. And what I haven't done yet is the next thing I want to do is put some other emulators on there. For instance, the Super Nintendo we were talking about There's sure. supposedly a very good um, Sony emulator for that, that allows you to play Super Nintendo games on there too. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, can you downgrade if
1: yours has already got a, a newer version of the firmware? No, you- unfortunately, that's that's the trick of it. Once once you go past 360, you are out of luck. Hmm. And so, they don't have um, a worker on yet. Uh, yeah, people and people have been looking at it for some time, and they just can't do it because Sony, obviously, they wanted to block this block this hack. Hold on a minute, um, I gotta go and grab my PS Vita now. Hold on.
0: <laughs> All right, I go over here. There it is. All right. I got to say, this thing is really dusty.
1: Well, that's good. That's what you want because that means you haven't you haven't turned it on recently, which means you probably haven't updated it recently.
0: Yeah, but my fear is, does it automatically update or?
1: No. Hmm.
0: It's dead. I mean, I you mean, it'll be dead. It yeah, you'll be, if you haven't charged it. I thought it was plugged in. I think it's not plugged into the wall. So yeah, that's a bummer. Mine, mine's practically brand new. Right. You know, I bought this thing for. Four years ago, five years ago, and um, I—if I, I had to guess—I've got less than uh, fifty hours of playing on the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I really
1: like it. Same thing with my PSP. By the way, I mean. Yeah, both both fantastic systems. Now, the PSP was a really big seller. I was surprised when it went to Wikipedia and saw how many units they sold. It really did sell very, very well. It did. The Vita, not at all. No. And the, here's the funny thing is someone, and you can
0: attest to this as well, who has both systems, the Vita is so much better on in oh, yeah. every level. It feels better in your hand. It feels better built. The controls are night and day better. The screen is five times better. I mean, it, it's, it's so much better yet. It failed miserably because Sony didn't put the resources into it that they said they were going to.
1: Yeah, and also as well, I think it it had a really mixed message in that uh, it had all these funky different control schemes like touchpad on the back and touchscreen and everything, which they kind of touted to developers. Developers didn't know what to to use them for. Uh, I mean, if you play the Vita version of Uncharted, it has all these... It's almost like a like a demo of all these features because every yeah. single different move you can do requires you to do these gestures on the back and everything, and it kind of gets in the way. It, well, that's just I've got that game. game,
0: and I gave up on it because you know it'd be a week or two since the last time I played it, and I forgot all the stupid things that I had to do to get my character to do what I want. Just can I just push a button? Can I just <laughs> exactly. push a button, please?
1: Yeah, uh, and and also as well, I think I think the problem is that. Because of that, it struggled to get developer support, and rather than Sony really pushing for that, I mean, they were in the position to basically say, guess what, guys, you want a contract to to release for the PS4? Well, you know, PS PS Vita comes as part of that deal. They could have enforced that, and then the system would have been very, very successful. They didn't, so after the first year to 18 months, all the top-end titles stopped appearing on the system. Yep. You know, and you look at it now, and it's kind of sad because some of the biggest sellers for the Vita are ports of mobile games you get on iOS. Well, here's which the, com- completely undersells the capabilities of the system because right. basically it's like having a, a, a midway between a PS3 and a PS4 quality uh, device in your hand. It's amazing.
0: Well, and here's the thing hold this up next to uh, Nintendo Switch.
1: Yeah, virtually the same thing.
0: Exactly, except you couldn't plug the Vita into a TV to get a big screen.
1: Well, yeah, they said they were going to do that for the right, Vita but as they well. Never did. There was even a port on there, and yep. then they never did it. Right? Then they released a different version of it in a set-top box and said, "Well, you can buy this if you want to." It's typical Sony, you yeah, know. It and the is whole because they had it. Thing, as as you know, popular
0: as the Switch is right now, they had this. This was yeah. Sony's to just to own. It was perfect. It was exactly what the Switch is. It's a smaller screen, but not by a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, they could have owned this new paradigm of game playing, and they completely blew it. Just yep. completely blew it.
1: Yeah, it's sad, but... Good for if, good for if, Nintendo. If, um, it's good for Nintendo, and also I'd say if you're a games enthusiast and you want a kick-ass uh, handheld games console and you don't want to spend the money that a Switch goes for right now, um, the Vita is a bargain. An absolute bargain. It is, and with, but, this, with this homebrew stuff, even more so. Yeah, but
0: I gotta be honest with you, you've got me excited to actually do it if I'm not, if this hasn't been updated past 3.6. Uh, so I'm gonna charge it up here in a little bit um, after the show because I gotta move a few things to plug a power pack back in. Um, so I'm totally gonna do it if, if I'm able. That being said, as excited as I am about this, the Switch is such a great system.
1: Oh yeah, it, don't get me it, wrong. It, it, I the mean, Switch I'm is not, the best video game you system should do out this there. Instead of having a Switch,
0: no, no. But no. I, I, I can honestly say I I own all the new game systems. I got an Xbox One, I got the Xbox Three Sixty, I got a PS Four, PS Three, PS Two, PS One. I've got all the systems right, right now. Yeah. For the games that are out there, and the innovative gameplay and the convenience factor, nothing comes close to the Switch. Nothing. It's it's that good. Now, yeah. if a new GTA Six game came out on PS Four, eh, that might sway me back to the. But that would be because of the game.
1: Well, that that's to me. That's the only weakness the Switch has. Is that there are certain types of games you just don't get on it. Um, that's starting get- to change
0: huh that's starting to change
1: well yeah i i hope it does but Well it's been out for
0: a but, year and developers are really jumping on it with their AAA a titles now but they're are all you making a see
1: grand theft auto on there
0: i think so you saw grand You're theft right? auto on the psp
1: yeah but that that's different sony was always willing to do more edgy games nintendo's very very conservative Yeah, there's a lot
0: of edgy stuff on there bayonetta for instance So I don't, I don't, Uh the problem is GTA came out, it, it required powerful hardware. And when it was hitting its stride on the PS2, Nintendo had the N64. There's, you can't do it on the N64. It's not, the capabilities weren't there. So by the time Rockstar moved over to the PS3 and the Xbox 360, they had the Wii. And the Wii wasn't powerful enough for it so they've always been from a technological standpoint farther behind because their systems just weren't capable of running such a intensive program like GTA. Well, the Switch is capable, not in the 4K and all that, but they could they can have a version that's the graphics just aren't quite as good, but it's still the same thing. Just kind of well, like what they did with the 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 current one which is was a PS3 and an Xbox 360 that they converted over to Xbox One and PS4 to make it look even better. They yeah. can do the same thing.
1: I hope so. I mean, that, those are the sort of games that I'm particularly interested in playing, and, and I'd like to see Call of Duty and yeah. uh, those, sort, those sort of things on, on the Switch and, and for that to be a good experience. I don't expect to necessarily be the same experience as the uh, PS4 or the Xbox One because that's not possible, but I expect it to be broadly the same in terms of gameplay even if it doesn't look the same and people and what are... I don't want to see is these horrible really badly cut down conversions like i mean the call of duty on the vita was terrible yes it was absolutely terrible because they gave it to a company who didn't know what they were doing and it was a shadow of what the games were on the other systems well if they do that then then that's a waste of money it's just a cash-in. I hope they do some proper conversions. And you Nintendo remember Nintendo doesn't get in the way and say, oh, you can't have killing.
0: No. Oh, no, they, they have many games that do that. Um, I That's not even an issue anymore. I think that you have to remember a lot of people will look, it still doesn't have AAA titles. It's only been out a year. Yeah. You know how long it takes to develop a AAA title? You're talking three yeah. to four years. Yeah. So we're still a good year away before the true AAA A. Red Dead Redemption type of games are released on the system. And and if if you want to wait for that, great. But here's the thing. There are so many good games on it right now. I mean, yeah. the new Mario game is truly one of the very best Mario games that's ever been released. It really is simply fantastic.
1: It's and in fact in fact it's so good that I mean, Alexander has virtually, I don't think he's quite finished it, but he's done a hell of a lot in it. Yeah. Um, and he finished the main story mode. He's done a whole load of the side quests and all this sort of thing now. And, and him and I both feel, you know, we kind of wish that there was another one of these games just around the corner Yes. because it was that good.
0: And, and then you look at Zelda. I think the, yeah. the new Zelda game, Breath of the Wind or Breath of the Wild, is one of the very best video games ever made. Forget on this platform, ever made. I would At this point, I would put it in the top 15 video games ever made. It's that good. It's that tight. It's so much better than it is on the Wii, well Wii U. Um, it feels like it was built for this system. I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic game. And they just came out with two DLCs for it in the last few months. It's another hundred plus hours of gameplay. That's how good this system is. That's yeah. how good this game is. And then you've got a bunch of indie stuff that are coming in now that are really fun. It's a great time to to get into a switch. I, you know, what I'm playing on it right now is uh, Marvel Superheroes 2 Lego. Yeah, I'm having a good time with that. Hold on,
1: go lay down.
0: <laughs> Stupid dog sounds like he's tap dancing, doing pacing <laughs> behind me.
1: He's just excited about Nintendo Switch. Yeah, as he well. wants to
0: play the Switch. He wants to get in some <laughs> Lego action. So let's talk about our sponsor here for just a second. MaxSales.com. David, they've got the newer Tech Guardian Maximus Mini. This is a portable, I'm going to say that again, a portable bus-powered RAID enclosure. You can do RAID 1 and 2 with a 2.5-inch drive. Imagine if it's a 2.5-inch a SSD drive in a RAID enclosure that you can take with you. It's pretty sweet. Up to 2 terabytes, starting at around 129 bucks. If you just need the enclosure, you've already got a couple of Older two and a half inch drives. Say you've got two five hundred gigabyte drives, and you, hey, what am I going to do with these things? Well, throw them in this newer Tech Guardian Max Mini, and uh you can have a
1: raid. Yeah, and you know if you got lap, if you've got a Mac portable, an an older laptop, then you've got FireWire you can use with this. Uh But it also supports eSATA, so if you uh, I don't Say you're a photographer or a, or a videographer and you want to take backups of your uh, media while you're out and about, you can do that to this device. High performance, you're not going to drop any frames. Uh, and then when you get back, you can plug in eSATA, plug it into your Mac Pro, and um, pull the data off at native speed there and, and probably edit directly off the device. Pretty cool.
0: It's pretty cool. Uh, we want. I'm going to put a link directly into this. It's part of okay. – look, it's 65% off right now, part of their whole – march madness thing i'm going to put a link into it now the one i'm linking to is just the enclosure it's 34.75, um and oh, it's so cheap it's, it's 35 bucks but they're limiting it to two that this is such a good deal they have to limit how many they're going to let you buy
1: yeah yeah um the, we, we still have that arrangement that everything we advertise in the show we get free yeah 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 i hope so <laughs> Right. I'm, I'm still waiting for the deliver the first delivery of
0: that, but it's coming, isn't it? Well, I, I want to talk about the 27-inch iMac then. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, People say, well, I don't get it. I can just get a cheap hard drive and plug into my laptop if I'm on the go. What's, I, I don't understand. You, you said RAID. I don't understand even what that means. Well, RAID is two hard drives in the same enclosure. It shows up as one drive on your desktop. But what happens is, as you're copying your data over to it, one hard drive is copying the other hard drive. In other words, you're getting true one-to-one backup yeah. in the same box. So if one hard drive fails, you don't lose your data.
1: No, nope, still there, and you just pull it out. Now, the, the only thing you need to watch with RAID, and, and what's good about um, this device, the Maxus Mini, is it has a screen on the front. So yep. it actually tells you what's going on with the devices um, all the time, which is very important because... I've seen systems with, with, with RAID where, yes, you've got two copies of the data, but if one of the drives fails, then you've only got one copy of the data. That's <laughs> and right. And you need to realize that the drive has failed so, <laughs> so you can replace it. So uh, on a RAID and, system. And I, I'm aware of people who didn't – or they, every time it flashed up the warning they on their screen, they kind of ignored it and clicked through it. And then the other drive eventually failed, and then they had no data.
0: Right. So what do you do if one of your drives fails? You pull that disk out slide a new disk replacement disk in and it automatically rebuilds the data on the new drive. Yep. So, RAID is the way to go if you want to really store your data, make sure it's safe locally on your hard drive. Um you you're just not going to beat RAID. So, thanks to maxsales.com, OWC for sponsoring this episode of Tech Fan. Speaking of um OWC, uh, it looks like they're going to be sponsoring MacStock again this year. That's my understanding. MacStock, of course, is going from uh, July 21st and 22nd. Uh, unfortunately, David won't be there this year, which still kind of breaks my heart. I'd really you love it break if he your heart. It. How
1: do you think I feel about it?
0: Well, I know. Um, it's 126 days away. It's not a long time, David. Uh, nope. This year, now look, last this is the fourth Mac stock. I've been to every one. Um, I was involved in Mac stock before m- most people even knew what that was. Um, guy Searle has also been involved with every Mac stock. Now I did the round table for the first two years and last year, Guy Searle and I got together and we did the, my Mac quiz and it was pretty successful. I think you were there, David. Yeah, it was fun, but yep. I, you know, I, I told Mike Potter, he's the guy who runs Mac stock, Uh, his, Podcast is for Mac eyes only. And you'll hear quite a bit from him on the latest uh, My Mac podcast as well. Um, if we're going to do it again, and I had every intention to, but I just felt like it needed to be tweaked. I like the game show concept, but I didn't like the execution of how Guy and I did it. It felt a little, I don't know, hollow and rushed. Right, And I I wanted to have a little bit more fun. I wanted it to be more memorable. And I kind of wanted to get people involved in different ways. So, um, the MyMac Game Show is back. And we're changing up pretty much everything about it. Uh, This is the first time anyone's going to hear about this because we haven't really talked about it yet. Uh So, here's what the new MyMac Game Show is going to be. I can confirm one person's involvement so far, and I've got another person that looks like they're going to be on board. Well, I should find out this next coming week. Um, You remember last year, David. I'm up on the stage. I've got the big screen behind me that I'm controlling, and it's asking the question, and Guy is hunting for contestants. So I will ask it, Guy, uh, the question, Guy is helping the contestant, if you will. Yep. And if they get the question, I think they had to answer three questions and then they get the prize or or whatever it was. It was okay. It was fun. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Here's what it's going to be this year. Same setup. I'm up on the stage with a microphone, big screen that's asking the questions, except the questions also have the answer. Maybe I haven't decided that yet. Probably just the question.
1: Does that not reduce but, the challenge level?
0: No, it doesn't. Here's why. Guy is still in the audience getting the contestants. But I'm not alone on the stage with me. On the stage with me is going to be four guests. One of the guests is, and I can confirm this now, Mac Stock has a keynote uh, this year. And it's Dr. Mac, Bob Levitas.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Bob's going to be with me on the stage. He's one of our guests. We're going to have four all together. The guest is going to tell the contestant what the answer is. So for instance, let's say the question is Steve jobs uh, started Apple computer with another Steve. And Bob would say the other Steve is um, Steve Winslow. And he's going to try to convince the audience member that he's telling the truth. Sometimes he will be. Sometimes he won't be.
1: Mm-hmm. It's kind of I call my bluff type.
0: Exactly so um do, does the contestant believe the guest on the stage? Is he giving them the right answer? The audience can help too if they want so that 's the concept uh, that's how we're well that's going to be the execution anyways it's going to be me asking the question the guest in round robin fashion will try to help the contestant or maybe they're not helping maybe they're giving him a fake answer it's going to be up yeah. the contestant to to basically say if the guest is telling the truth or he's lying. And if he guesses correctly, he gets a prize. Excellent. So that is the new format. It gets a lot more fun and humor into it. Uh, it gets other people involved and that's always a good thing. And yeah. I think, I think this format, uh, tweaked from what we did last year is going to work really well. Uh, both guy and I are excited about it. Um, if my second guest confirms next week, I'll let everyone know here. Uh, quite honestly, it would be a pretty good get. Um, and I think it's something that this person really has probably never done before. And it's something that uh, the average Mac user might not expect this person to do. And I think he would be brilliant at it. So, But that's all I want to say uh, until he uh, confirms. Uh, and if he
1: doesn't, and I'm not even going to, you know... Oh, uh,
0: he... Uh, okay. And I'm actually telling you in our chat who it is. Okay. You see it? I see it, yeah. yeah. Don't you think that person would be really good at it?
1: Uh, I think it would be a uh, quite a different dimension to, exactly. uh, to it, yeah. To
0: me and to uh, uh, Baba Avitas and whoever the other two guests are. Um, I'll be honest. The first person I, I asked was um, unable to attend this year, so... Okay. He thinks so. He hasn't completely ruled it out yet, but he thinks it's going to interfere with his travel schedule. And if it does, well, then I don't want to mention who that is either. But yeah, we've got some people in mind. I've got uh two invites out, other than Bob, who's already agreed. So it should be a lot of good, really good time. It's is that the only reason to come to Macstock? Oh,
1: well, absolutely. <laughs> Didn't uh, think I was going to say that, did you? Well, no, no I, I, <laughs> I would, I would completely agree with you. I think. That is absolutely the only reason to go. There's you, nothing else going on, really. No. What else are you going to be doing that weekend? Yeah, anyway? it's towards the end of July. Come on, yeah. third week of July. You've got no plans. No. Nope. Come to Maxstock. Come, come, yeah. Come out to the country. Spread you around there. Yep. Good food. Um, good food. Good you people.
0: know, you know where I'm going for food at least once while I'm there, though.
1: Panda <laughs> Express, baby. <laughs> Well, I, 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 can't, I was always kind of assuming you ate at Panda Express, apart from when you're at MacStock.
0: Dude, I well, there's none around me. Really? No. The nearest Panda Express for me is over an hour and a half away. Wow. Yeah. That,
1: you, that sucks.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I told you that's where I went when we were up at the Apple Store with me at Brooke and I, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I've had Panda Express since Stock. Wow. I know. I'm. That's can sweet. you believe I'm denied? That well, sweet, sweet food. You're
1: denied. How how often do you think I get to go to Panda Express?
0: You liked it too. Not,
1: yeah. I liked it, but I can't go this year because I'm not going to have some oh, Do yeah. I have them in the UK.
0: <laughs> it's good stuff. It is very good stuff. Yeah, not good for you. That's okay.
1: Well, everything's good in moderation.
0: That's right. So, yeah. I'm 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 torn. I really want to get into the main subject, but I kind of think that it's not like a timely thing. So. And we're already approaching 50 minutes here. So I'm thinking maybe just hold that for another week okay? and get into our our wiki trolling. I keep wanting to say Wikipedia, which is, of course, that's where we go to get this. But this is wiki trolling. And as I said at the beginning of the show, this is the IBM PC Jr. Some people called it the IBM peanut.
1: Peanut, I think was it. Uh, was it was it a code name? I don't I'd know. Assumed I just it was a
0: code name. It it might have been, but
1: yeah, you know who knows. It's, it's. I you know what I remember. I used to this. The time this came out was when I was just getting into computers. Yeah, and um, I'll be talking in a couple of weeks. I I actually found my original eight bit microcomputer. Did you really? Yeah, my Acorn Electron. And so I'm in the process of getting that up and running again. I'm getting a few hardware upgrades to try and make it, bring it up, up, be, get up to speed, make it a bit more modern. So that's something I'm going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And I'll talk about it, obviously, on the show. But um, when I bought that machine, I was about 14 years old. So this was round about the time the PC Junior shipped. Uh, announced in November 1983, shipped in late January 1984. And at the time, I was starting to read computer magazines because I was just really getting into computers in a a really big way. Uh, And you'd see these glossy ads for all these IBM machines. And it was very difficult to understand what the difference between a lot of them was. Yes. Apart from the fact that they all had astronomical prices. Yes. Yeah. Um, And looking at this now, I can see that that IBM was really trying to – take the the success of the business IBM machine and kind of do a home computer for it. And remember, this is really
0: IBM's first foray into the home computer business. They they always kind of looked at the home computer business and the success of people like Tandy and Apple as what's hobbyist type stuff. We're IBM. And as such, we don't get into the hobby stuff. We're serious computers here. Yeah. And the... And really, the thought at the time was, if IBM does get into the computer, the personal computer business, they're going to crush everyone. Yeah, it will be the IBM PC, and nobody else will sell another computer because IBM is IBM, and no one, well, that's, no yeah, one ever got it, fired that's what they, from. That's
1: what they did in the business space.
0: Well, sure, oh, and 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 it, know, back then, they, the, they, the saying was,
1: no one ever got hot fired for buying IBM. Yeah they they you know they took all the stuff that was running in in the business space and they just kind of wiped it off the face of the earth straight away mm-hmm. their their impact was massive, so yes it's not surprising everybody thought they would do the same in the home market, but wasn't to be no it was
0: considered a failure um the introductory price was twelve sixty nine with hundred and twenty eight k of memory without a monitor. Now, how does that compare to what Apple was doing at the time? It's exactly the same as far as the Mac is concerned, but the Apple II actually had more memory. Right. Uh, and the Apple II was entrenched. Of course, the Apple II was not a GUI computer. Um, it was a relic even in 84 compared well, yeah, to what but the, the Apple the, was this, this was
1: not GUI either. I mean, Windows no. came much, much later. Yes. So. This was also command line, you know, green screen, DOS screens, and all of that sort of stuff. It, it I, You put the two side by side, you probably would have struggled to tell which one was, just from looking at screens, which one was Apple, which one was IBM. Right, but the,
0: well, Apple, not Mac, because the Mac was yeah. a GUI system. It yeah. also had 128K, which, quite honestly, the IBM was running rings run in speed because it wasn't running a GUI, and the GUI, obviously, it takes memory to 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 run the graphical user interface for those who got lost at GUI. Um, so the, while the Mac looked like something from the future, it also didn't sell very well. Um, Mm -hmm. for IBM, they only sold 500,000 of the IBM PC junior. And that was a failure. It just, it, it never got the market penetration that I think IBM thought it would. Um, and I don't know why. I don't remember going. I, my mind can't go back in, in time and remember why was this a failure. Because quite honestly, this was '84. I was not into computers then. I didn't get into All computers right. until the '90s. I, in '84, I was chopping at the bit to to turn 16. I was still 14. I was chopping at the bit to get to 16 so I can drive. I was playing football. You know, but that's for me. Tell him I'm not here, please. <laughs> yeah. that's my boy on his way home from school. He likes to call me. So, yeah, it, it came out. It actually had some pretty cool features compared to, um, well, actually a lot of computers could do this at the time, but this is IBM. So it had a uh, built-in RF modula- modulator, which meant you could send video and audio to a TV. So you didn't have to buy an expensive monitor.
1: Yeah, Um I think the weakness of that, and this, this, this comes down to things I'm now discovering now, trying to get my um, nearly 35-year-old 8-bit computer connected to a modern monitor, is the problem with RF out is that for text is terrible. You are basically taking digital signals, you're turning them into analog, and then you're sending them down a coax cable to the television that's basically... Um, decrypting them from analog or kind of reinterpreting analog and then putting them on a, a low end CRT screen. It's just no good for actually reading what's on the screen at all. That's one of the reasons that computers like the Apple II had nice big screen fonts was yeah. because, uh, you know, guys like Steve was weren't no dummies. They knew that if you put that stuff on the TV, it needs to be big. Otherwise the, the TV just didn't have the resolution after going through that process to allow you to read it. Um, and I think this one, this one of the failures of this is the fact that people didn't want to buy a monitor for it, but they plugged it into the TV, and then all the the kind of businessy type software was available for it was virtually unusable because you couldn't read what's going on the screen. Uh, I'm also seeing here that that people really dislike the um, unlike the regular IBM's that had a prop, what we would call a proper mechanical keyboard. Um, <laughs> one of the areas IBM cut costs was the by not producing a uh, a keyboard like that. Uh, no, about, had apparently, a their keyboard. keyboard was terrible. Yeah, it was. Even by the standards of the standards of the day, it was well. I, you know what? I'm going to roll that statement back. I was about to say, even by the standards of the day, it was terrible. Actually, by the, that was the problem. By the standards of the day, it was, it was really it was terrible the, because back then everyone did decent keyboards.
0: Not everyone. But I,
1: I Almost, remember yeah, there, 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 there was the, a the Mattel Atari one with a membrane keyboard, yeah.
0: which was awful. Mattel was the same way. I hated yeah. that keyboard. Yeah.
1: The, uh, there was um, – over here in the UK, there was the ZX Spectrum had like a kind of rubber keyboard that a lot of people re- referred to as the dead flesh keyboard. Yeah. But a lot of the mainstream computers of the day, the Commodore 64, the Apple II, the, uh, the ones I'm talking about, the BBC Micro and the Acorn Electron, those all had proper mechanical keyboards and much the better for it.
0: Somebody said here
1: that this was like massaging fruitcake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I like this. Further reinforcing the home-friendly goal, the PC Junior also introduced two RAM cartridge slots on the front of the unit, meant to load software quickly and easily. Remember, loading software back on these older PCs oh. were pain in the butt. You had to power them off. You had to put the disk in. You had to power it back up. Um, the cartridge slots are plugged in from the front, prompting the computer to automatically reboot and run the software. That was so yeah. much better than the crap that you had to deal with on floppy yeah. drives.
1: Did this have a cassette interface? Because actually most of the cheapest computers at the time didn't have a floppy drive at all. I think it was a, it had a parallel slide on it. So,
0: yeah, you could. I think you could have got one for it. I don't because remember. That,
1: I mean, that was loading software off audio cassette. is If you've never done it before, it's a phenomenal experience. <laughs> Put it this way. It's good for your patience. Because in you decide you want to you want to load a particular piece of software, that's probably five to ten minutes before you're gonna see that software on your screen. Uh the Wall Street Journal observed that the PC Junior
0: has at least three invaluable assets, the letters IBM. Even rival companies like Coleco, Commodore, and Tandy hope that a home computer from IBM with, as Popular Science wrote, the three initials of a nameplate, letters that in the minds of many represented quality, reliability and assurance that the company would be around for as long as the computer is would stabilize and bring credibility to the chaotic 2 billion dollar home computer market which was seen as cutthroat price wars between Commodore, Atari and others for 18 months. Yeah. I remember that part anyway. So it was yeah. it was a wild west. Here's the here's what people forget about. Nowadays if you got a p, if you got a, a a video game on your computer, it's either a Mac or a PC, right? Yep. Back then, Commodore had their own operating system. Atari had their own. Tandy had their own. Apple had their own. IBM had their own. I mean, if if you were a, a software maker and you wanted to cover the most popular computers out there, there's about six. You have to write six completely different versions of that software.
1: Yeah, and so people didn't. You would get you would get developers who specialized in in normally in one or two platforms yeah. and, and nothing else um, and and that fragmentation was a real problem for the computer industry
0: and IBM actually paid like ten billion dollar ten million dollars to developers to develop software for their platform and Sierra Online was a big one at the time, especially in video games, uh, and so was the learning company and IBM paid them to uh, to have a couple dozen titles when they launched, which helped but you know, it, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't enough for this to become the thing.
1: I don't, I don't know whether it it was it was some of these technical problems or whether it was the marketing. Uh, I, I mean, they they were selling these through business computer stores, and and I can imagine that being a tough sell for a home. Well, here for, you, you know, go as a home computer. The, you know,
0: the PC Junior's cost was its biggest disadvantage, even more so than the keyboard. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reported that customers find that the PC Junior is expensive for a home computer, but isn't very powerful for an expensive computer. Yeah. I mean, there you go. You can get a C64 for a lot less, and yet it did a lot more because it had been around longer. It was widely adopted. It was a great gaming PC, and there was software for it that you could buy for businesses. So. The C64 was huge next to the yeah, IBM PC.
1: We, we, we were talking about this with the Visa a few minutes ago. The, it doesn't matter how great your system is. You've got to have software for it. You've got to have big-name titles for it. You've got to have software that people want to buy. Otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how great the hardware is or, or how well-built it is or, or what the, what the nameplate is. If you can't make it do the things you want to do, then it's not going to be attractive to you.
0: So this uh, is
1: uh, – here you go. Without a VisiCalc-like killer app for
0: the home, there's no competing, uh, compelling reason, based on what is available in software, to convince families to spend $2,000, because remember, this didn't come with a monitor, $2,000 on a computer, one computer store chain manager said. IBM was unfamiliar with the consumer market, but hoped that customers would be willing to pay more for a product with, as an industry expert said, those three letters. Popular mechanics warned that, at six ninety six sixty nine and twelve sixty nine, PC Junior has been priced out of those markets. Almost yeah. any other computer in those price range is a better buy. And so, at the end of the day, and this is something that technology companies in today's market might well heed: your name doesn't matter when your competitors are better they're still better. <laughs> yeah. Your name doesn't imply as much as you may hope it does. I E. Oh, this is a new phone from Apple. You know, it's going to be great. Well, if Apple hasn't put the resources in to make it great, it's not going to do well. So you can't get by on just your name alone anymore. You just can't. And this is a lesson learned way back in the mid eighties in this segment of uh, electronics computers, computers, that it's IBM, of course, could be successful. Guess what? It wasn't. It was seriously flawed in many ways, overpriced, and didn't have the apps that the competing products had that people actually wanted.
1: Yeah, and and of course, the other problem it had was that it it launched at a time when the other computer being sold in business stores was the new one from Apple, the Mac. So you had a command line. I know that Mac wasn't a big success at the start, but the problem is if you're if you're going in to look at, and you look into a store and you see these two computers side by side, right. And you've got one that basically looks like an expensive IBM version of an Apple II, um, with, with fewer, fewer um, peripherals, uh, a, a worse keyboard probably hooked up to a green screen monitor because they didn't want to sell it as a color monitor because you weren't going to see that at home. That's right. And then next to it, you've got a Mac with a GUI interface on it. Yeah. Uh, It's a built in screen. Pretty weak.
0: It's it's got it's the whole computer. It's screen and everything. And a mechanical keyboard. I mean. So let's wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Um David and I'll be back next week. Um and maybe we'll get to our topic that we've been avoiding two weeks in a row now. It's not even like it's a super big thing. It's just I think it, it it's one of those topics that we want to give a lot of uh, attention to. So, yeah, if we're, if we're, if we're going to shortchange it, we're just going to push it back. We'd love to get feedback from you guys on any topic that we talked about this week. It's the show at techfanpodcast com. You can also go to our Facebook or Twitter accounts, leave us some messages there, or go to techfanpodcast com or mymac dot com and leave a message right in uh, the show notes. And we will see it, and we'll read it, and we'll thank you, and we'll send you a no prize. You, do you remember no prizes that was a marvel comics thing
1: uh, no I'm not aware of that
0: yeah if you found a mistake in a marvel comic but then you could explain the mistake away Stanley would send you a, the fabled no prize right so with that we're going to wrap up the show so David can answer his phone <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week see you, David see you then